The relentless pressures of motherhood do not afford much time to nurture a personal identity and it becomes easy to let yourself slip away. In our culture, mothers are told that anything we do for ourselves takes something away from our kids. Today, my guest, Mara Mazur, will be chatting to us about rediscovering self. Folk pop singer, songwriter Mara Mazur has spent her life navigating the transitional space between places of belonging from her English-Chinese household in Hong Kong to living as an artist and mother in New York City. In her latest studio album, Don't Tell My Child, Mara captures the growing pains that come with her new identities. A mother learning to love, a child grieving a parent's death, an artist looking for peace. Welcome to the Gems of Motherhood, Mara. It's so good to have you on the show. It's really great to be here, Sharon. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, absolutely. Now, Mara and I have been like longtime friends. Mm -hmm. I I knew her when she first actually auditioned for me in the trailer for our movie, The Father's Mm -hmm. Love. And and she is just such a sweetheart. And so like, you know, I just love her. And today it's just so special for me to have her on the show. And we're going to talk about becoming a mom doesn't really spell the end of your passion. Mm-hmm. Now, Mara, how did you feel when you first became a mother? Um, I think becoming a mother for me, it, it, it honestly took me a while to really check in with my emotions and to know how I felt. Having children was not something that I, you know, was always longing for, was waiting to have. It was actually something I always I was kind of dreading a little bit, to be very honest, because mm-hmm. I've always felt that once you become a mother, you basically have to give up everything about yourself. Mm. You give up your time, you give up your sleep, you give up your energy, you give up what you want to do with your life. You get, you know, every at every turn, you start to have to prioritize somebody's need above yours. And for me, I think the way I saw that at the time was that means it's less of me. Mm. Um, and I just kind of have to try to turn into this like saintly figure who's like never frustrated, never angry, never (laughs) upset. And like, yeah, kind of this unattainable image I have of like a good mother. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think becoming one for me, there was a lot of fear. There was a bit of dread. And then, you know, you have a baby and, you know, there's such joy and, you know, this incredible euphoria, like birthing life and having this baby, Mia, my daughter, just so lovely um, Mm -hmm. as a baby. And so there was so much joy for me. At the same time, though, it definitely came with this like kind of deepening of that fear. It was almost existential for me, like of answering, okay, where do we go from here? Yeah. What do I do now? Who do I want to be? What matters? Right. Was anything I did before important? Do I want to keep doing it? What do I do? What does she need? What's best for her? Where do I find the balance between what I need and what she needs? And so, mm. you know, it was it was a lot of feelings, as you can hear. And to be honest, I you know I just became a mother again, or <laughs> a new mother again. Right, that's right. Congratulations. Thank you. So I'm kind of going through a little bit of that again. It's it's such a mix of yeah. all these emotions. Yeah, it's such a different season when you have two kids versus one kid. And obviously, when you have the first kid, it's something that's very new, very different. And how did you navigate those challenges of fear and discomfort? Um, It took me quite a while. There was definitely, I mean, first of all, before I had Mia, uh, my first, 
I was telling my partner, because I had um, a small branding agency. I had started with my friend. I had started doing a lot of graphic design as something, which maybe we'll get to because I had kind of burnt out as a musician. I kind of lost myself and I decided I didn't want to do it anymore. I kind of walked away from it five years before then. And at that point, I picked up graphic design. I was hoping that music can just be a thing of the past. I've let it go. I don't need to push myself anymore. I can just stay in a comfort zone, just be in front of my computer, design things. And I, I really did enjoy it. I work with the loveliest clients. But you know, as I got close to Mia being born, I remember saying to my partner, Bianca, that, oh, you know, I'll be right back. Just give me like two months. I'm going to have Mia, you know, and then I'll get straight back to work because I love working. I mm-hmm. really enjoy doing it. So I had Mia and I was just kind of in this race of like, okay, when can I start? When can I start again? When can I start again? And as the days and weeks passed, I was like, I am not ready to go back. And I didn't want to, which was kind of surprising for me because I thought I was really looking forward to business as usual. I can go back yeah. to it. I can have a child be a mom, but get back straight to it. Um, but I realized <laughs> like I, me when I, when I first <laughs> had Shiloh. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a common thing. But then as I went, I'm like, wait, why am I rushing to be away from her? And, yeah. and I didn't want to, and I was quite surprised by that. I really didn't want to. I wanted to be around her, even though it was hard. I didn't mm-hmm. want to be around her because it was always like so idyllic and lovely and full of peace. It wasn't that, but I just, I don't know if it's that type of maternal instinct, but I just had a hard time thinking about being away from her. So I talked to my partner. I was like, okay, I need another month. And then I was like, okay, I need another month. (laughs) Okay. I need more time. Finally, like at six months, I was like, you know what? I think we just have to change the way we work. I don't see myself Mm -hmm. going back in full time. And we had a lot of conversation at, by that point, my partner was also expecting. So it was actually really beautiful, the conversations we could have together about Mm -hmm. the evolution in our identity and the evolution of what we want to do with our time. So I think that was helpful for me to process this change, to have someone to talk to about it. A lot of it too was, I just kind of had to go through the feelings. I mean, I cannot tell you the number of days where I just kind of lay on the ground next to Mia and was just like, what am I doing? Like, what, what's the point? What am I doing? Yeah. I don't like what's the point of everything I've done up to this point? And yeah. and maybe there was a faster way to process all these things, but for me, I just kind of had to go through the phases. I went through the joy at the beginning. I went through the pain and exhaustion, you yeah. know, by like month 2. I was like so exhausted and then got into a groove and had more time and at that stage it's not like me and I are having great conversations. You're really just kind of <laughs> physically providing for her while mentally I'm kind of on my own. It's like a wild west in my mind. And yeah, I think that happens for a lot of artists and creative people because we kind of tend to need to seek an outlet to be Mm -hmm. creative, yet you're in this place that you feel like you're kind of stuck. I mean, was that how it was for you? That's a great way of putting it that I wanted. uh, Yeah, that outlet but I felt stuck. I think feeling stuck was definitely something that came to my mind. I remember so often when my husband would come home at night, it was like I was released from sometimes what felt like a trap. I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, finally, I can like do things. I can move. I can walk out of the apartment without, you know, dealing with the the carrier and all of that stuff. And yeah, there was definitely a time where definitely had a while where I was feeling stuck. Yeah. I mean, I still look forward to the time that Sal gets off work every day. (laughs) 
Now, you talked about how you left, you know, sort of there was an evolution in your brand agency. And then I know, and my listeners don't know that you started playing naptime songs. How mm-hmm. did that come about? So I had Mia, which kind of, I think in, in that first year, after kind of what I was describing earlier of those stages I was going through, I kind of reached a point where I was like, I think I need to get in touch with who I feel like I'm created to be. Mm-hmm. I feel like I tend to overcomplicate these things. I tend to get stuck even in my thoughts of mm-hmm. what success looks like, how to do things. It's all or nothing. And for me, music, because it was challenging for a while, I was like, I can't do it anymore. I'm not good at it. Nobody cares. And I, I couldn't get out of that way of thinking. But when I had Mia, there was, I think, something really special she gave me, which was kind of this gift of seeing someone just be who they are mm. and not have these constant mind battles. Like she wants something, she just goes for it. Mm-hmm. If I say no, she's going to let me know she's not happy. And <laughs> and there's, it, there's something so beautiful I found about that. Obviously not, you know, frustrating that she expresses her <laughs> emotions <laughs> so strongly, but there's also something I really respected about that. She wanted to do something and she's going to do everything she can to get it. If there's a toy she wants, if there's a food she wants, she's going to make it known. And that was that. And I think watching her really kind of brought me a place of reflecting why I had become so convoluted, I mm. think, about my desires, especially some, a lot of them that aren't necessarily bad. It's just that it, they, they got complicated along the way. So yeah. as I think I was around Mia, I kind of was affected by the way she was. Mm-hmm. You know, she's very full of life. She's very vivacious. And I think it really brought me back to a place of wanting to get in touch with who I am, mm-hmm. you know, under the layers of insecurities and fear and all of that stuff. And I started writing music again, but I was quite secret about it because I was really trying to protect myself at the beginning. I didn't want to kind of go into that like self-promotional space. I think sometimes it's a bit necessary for most creatives these Mm -hmm, days. mm -hmm. But as time went and then when COVID hit, I was... You know, at first it was obviously just a really difficult time, but then my husband and I were having these conversations about how we can let this time be a reset for us, how we can look at our lives and think about how we can be more wholesome Mm -hmm. about it, how we can kind of give life to the parts of ourselves that we didn't used to because we were always so busy. Um, And for me, definitely music came to mind. And so one of the things I decided to do to make this a very controlled outlet for me so that I don't spiral. I just gave myself a ton of limitation. I was like, okay, once a week on a Sunday afternoon, um, when, while Mia's napping, I'm going to go into our spare room and I'm just going to record the song that I write during the week. Mm -hmm. And all I have is those two hours while she's napping so that I can't get perfectionist about it. I can't obsess over, Oh, this is not very good. I'm not going to share it anymore because I would go into that room, record a song, and then around five, six o'clock, share it wherever it is. Right. And it was, I think, a really lovely exercise for me just to get back in touch with the simplicity of it. Mm. You know, during the week, I'll look around at Mia's things, and I was really inspired by her children's books. And I would read it, and I would see what comes to mind as the week goes. I would start writing a song in the mornings, and then on Sunday, I would just recreate it. And this, it was just this input 
output, input, output, not obsessing, not, you know, going crazy about it. Right, right. And it was a really great exercise for me. Oh, that's such a great release too. I mean, for you, I mean, it was like you being able to pour out whatever that was stored up inside. And like you said, it it is true. I can relate because as a creative person, sometimes you're like, oh, it's not good enough. I have to make mm-hmm. it perfect. And, but when is it ever going to be good enough if mm-hmm. you don't just share it, right? Yeah. Now, and obviously your passion for music started up once you had Mia after a while of being a mother. How did you continue to pursue that passion as while being a mother and not allow, I guess, the title of just being a mother and your passion for mm-hmm. music? Yeah, I think it's funny because as I mentioned earlier, I had always dreaded motherhood because I'd always seen it as, you know, spelling the end Mm -hmm. to all these things. Uh, My life until that point would be over. What I really did not anticipate was that I could actually become more free as a mother as I let my child kind of bring me with her into a place of childlike wonder as I kind of enter her world and see things from a different way. And I really do credit my child as like (laughs) counseling me, you know, not with words, but just by being herself into going back to that place. And I think that as I've kind of gotten back into making music, you know, enjoying making Mm. music, taking care of this part of myself, that likes to tell stories, likes to sing. It's definitely been, I think, a bit of a roller coaster continuing to nurture this part of myself because, you know, I, I really do struggle with insecurities of, you know, am I good enough? Mm-hmm. Does this mean anything? Does this help anybody? What's the point in this? Making music, it takes a lot of time. It yeah. takes a lot of money too. Yeah, I, You know, I have to record at a studio. There's other musicians. If I want to put my music out there, there's a lot of costs involved. I'm like, is there value to this? Mm-hmm. Is this worth investing in? And those questions can sometimes really just, I think, stop me from moving forward and get me to a place where I'm like, I can't answer those questions. And so I don't feel like I can continue anymore. But I think the way that I've continued to pursue this passion and this love that I think was placed in me when I was created, I think the way I've tried to do that is really try to focus on the little things. Try to focus on putting it back into my daily rhythm or weekly rhythm. You know, because I think the thing with having a child is it really is impossible to get a long stretch of, you know, a few days where you can enter this mode and yeah. like get really caught up into it because the longest I really get is five, six hours now without an interruption. And that's very rare. That happens you know, <laughs> once or twice a week. But how besides those five, six hours longer stretches, how I can do little things. How Mm -hmm. can I inspire myself, Mm -hmm. read things that are inspiring? How can I um, every now and then just write something in the moment and record it then and not need everything to be this big, beautiful, polished project? I think that's been the how I've gotten through it, but also really an ongoing challenge. Because for me, I tend to think too big. I like 
think of this whole big picture of what I wanted to do. And I lose <laughs> track of just the little things every day to nurture the artist yeah. in me, to nurture this part of me that it's much more helpful for me to have this daily outlet than like constantly be waiting and frustrated and looking for this bigger project yeah, or something. Yeah. Totally. I feel the same way. Sometimes it's like, you know, I come up with all these ideas and so I was like, no. <laughs> he's like no yeah <laughs> you know um it, it's true we think about these big things and that's me as well and sometimes it's really helpful to just focus on the little things but I think it is so important that when you're a mother that you don't lose sight of who you are before you became a mother mm -hmm. because God has built you up to be that yeah. person that he has created you to be and then after that, you have the blessing of being a mom in doing that part as well. But it is so important that don't lose your identity after becoming a mother. Now, what has been the most challenging part? Balancing the two. Balancing being creative and setting limits to those little things as well as being a mom. Yeah. I mean... I really am in the middle of it right now because, you know, after I, Mia's three now. So before my second was born, I had really gotten into a little bit of a groove. Mm -hmm. I had my time. I had sort of a system worked out how much time I'm going to devote to this. And I was working on an album and, you know, there's so much excitement around that. I'm excited. I had a team, you know, working with me on it. And then I released that album actually around about the time that my second was born and I'm kind of in back in that place of, you know, that album is out there now and I'm kind of having to start over a little bit and go, okay, I'm, you know, I have a now four, four and a half month old. So, you know, the time requirement is a lot more again. I'm, you know, feeding him, taking him out and all of that stuff. It's so to answer your question, the first challenge is just time and energy with mm -hmm. this mode that I'm in because it's, it's just so consuming. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that sort of led me to, as I mentioned earlier, the thing about the little tiny steps. But I think a deeper challenge for me is, I think, believing that it matters. Mm -hmm. I think believing that there is value to you wanting to pursue the things that you want to pursue. I think some others get stuck too is there's obviously value in raising a child. No yeah. one's going to argue that. Really, the sky's the limit to how much you can give your child. Yeah. You can come up with all these things you can teach them, all these things you can get them, all these places you can bring them, all this love and patience and goodness you can pour out to them. No one's going to argue that, you know, with a lot of those things, you know, not just not the material stuff, but with a lot of that stuff, the more the better. Yeah. But I think for a lot of mothers, the challenge is what about the other stuff? Because mm -hmm. I don't think there's a lot of voices out there being that other stuff really matters too. Mm -hmm. Because how do you compare the side thing that I really loved with like a child's life, which is right. so clearly <laughs> so valuable. And I think Sometimes the way society, I think, talks about a lot of this stuff can do a disservice yeah. to mothers because it can make you feel like your own your only most task worthy, is to, right? Exactly, and and it really doesn't mean that I'm I'm not trying to argue that that stuff's not important. You know, yeah. I think we can keep going with how important it is because it's such an incredibly important job that caregivers, childcare providers, teachers, mm -hmm. and mothers do. But I wish. 
And I hope to be part of a movement or yeah, a, a calling to, to encourage parents, mothers to also really believe that it's important to keep on growing who they are as well, not to let go that part, not to wait until yeah. you send your children to college and all of a sudden go, oh, I don't know what to do anymore. And then because right. I, I feel like I've seen a pattern too when that happens and then you feel like the only thing that matters is volunteering your time to right. help other causes and all that stuff. And again, that stuff is so good. But it's also really good to keep on growing yourself, yes. to keep on looking in at what do you want to do? Because I, you know, I think sometimes that can sound selfish, but I really think that God has a different role for each of us to play yeah. and each for each of us, that role is different. For some, yeah, maybe it is really full-time parenting and, you know, for that time, that is a beautiful, beautiful calling. Yeah. And then there are others where there's other stuff and that stuff is worth time and worth other people caring and worth other people asking about as well. Not just how's your child doing? What right. are you doing with them? But like, what are you doing with that thing you're really passionate about? Are you able to find time for it? Is there any way you can find a support system so that you can still nurture this part of yourself. I, mm -hmm. I wish and I hope to be a voice that asks those questions too. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's selfish. In fact, I mean, we're all created so differently. And there are women out there who are called to be full-time mothers, mm -hmm. you know, and homeschoolers. But there are those that are called to be out there doing different things. And like you said, you know, there is value in growing yourself in taking care of yourself and doing the things that you love and pursuing your dreams and pursuing the dreams that God gave you. I say that because too, you know, there is value because your kids are also looking at you and seeing what you're doing. Oh, my mommy is a musician. When my daughter sees my uh, Adobe audition up, she's like, mommy, are you doing podcasts? <laughs> you know, and then like when I'm listening to other podcasts and then all of a sudden my podcast come up, she's like, mom, that's your podcast, you know? Right. And so there is definitely value in terms of how your kid sees you and what you're doing as well, besides, you know, just caring and loving. And I know that every child would see that in your parent. That Yeah. And I just wanted to add, because I feel like sometimes this conversation just becomes staying at home or going back to work. Mm -hmm. And it then is, those are the two options. And, you know, one is, you know, the value of it is obviously raising your child. And the other one is earning money and like, you know, making sure you're providing and, all of that stuff. But I think there's more and more, I think a group of sort of in between yeah. <laughs> mothers that aren't fully going back to work, but isn't perhaps wanting to just full, full time be a mother. I think those are the, that's where I am. And I think that's where I see so much tension often mm -hmm. of, of mothers in that place, you know, feeling bad about, you know, taking time for themselves for slightly less obviously important work. Yeah. Now, what are some actionable tips which you suggest for moms to pursue their dreams without being discouraged or without letting motherhood be in the way? Yeah, that's a really great, great question. I think for me, what's made the biggest difference is having the right voices in your life. So um, as I kind of got back into making music, 
I started this artist support group with three other artists of just meeting every week and over Zoom because it's COVID <laughs> um, and just talking about what we're struggling with, what's working, what's not working, and how are we making art right now? Mm -hmm. And sometimes making art together, we'll have a prompt and we'll all respond to it. That group was so helpful for me um, because it was being around artists that together had that belief that this work matters and we could explore that together. I had another sort of mentor figure who whenever I get into a place of like, oh yeah, either for me, it's always the not good enough or it doesn't matter. Those are like the two little like voices that really tries to kind of clamp down mm -hmm. on my creativity. You know, when I get into that place, which is like every week, <laughs> he's an opposing force. He reminds me why it's important. And sometimes he's, he reminds me that those questions are kind of irrelevant. Mm -hmm. um, they're kind of distracting, not the point. <laughs> I get caught up and they're, I'm not sure I need to answer those questions of, you know, good enough for all of that. So having, I think the right people that, or I, I, it doesn't just have to be people. I say voices because I think voices can come from a lot of places. It can come from books. It can come from, you know, videos or all these kinds of places. How can you surround yourself with life-giving, encouraging voices? Um, mm -hmm. That's not just about, you know, it's great. Everything you're doing is great. You do you like, yeah, like it's not just about that, but it's, you know, specific to where you are, what you need to keep on kind of running your race, doing yeah. what you feel, you know, called to do. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, tell me, what are you up to now? I know you just released an album uh, not too long ago. Tell me a little bit about the album and what are you up to? Yeah, so I just released an album two months ago called Don't Tell My Child. And it's really a collection of songs that I wrote since Mia was born. So there's a lot of there's a lot of wrestling in these songs of, you know, the new identity, those those fears that I, I've, I've mentioned so many times now, kind of overcoming them and kind of being in this new space. Um, and that was something I worked on for two years um, and just came out. So right now, I think for me, I'm looking for ways to share about that music, mm -hmm. doing little shows and little things here and there. And then one of the projects that I did alongside the album that I'm also really excited about is I worked on a book that features artwork by different parents, mm -hmm. other parents, because, you know, along the way, as I was doing this, I really started craving art by other parents um, around the theme, because I think, you know, so often I feel like there's a sense once you become a parent, your life is either all about your children or when you go out, you kind of leave the children at home and don't mention them at all. <laughs> I was kind of curious about how other parents and artists are letting that journey of becoming a parent affect them. Mm -hmm. So I assembled um, 10 pieces by 10 incredible artists and put them into an art book to kind of do this thing that I'm really you know passionate about now, which is giving voice to parents that are exploring this evolution that are yeah. through art, through that creative outlet. Um, so I'm still kind of focusing, still, still staying in this world and looking to share it, find different opportunities to do so. And then I was, I was mentioning conversation I was having with my husband two days ago. I was saying, I think I might 
you know, start working on my next collection of songs, which I honestly have no idea what it will be. And I think that's another thing I'm learning is to try to let inspiration happen and just kind of, yeah, just mull around in my brain and see what happens rather than try to define it before I even start. Yeah. So yeah, those are, those are the things I see ahead of me now. That's awesome. Now we're almost at the end of the show, but is there anything that you'd like to share with other gems of mothers out there? What I would love to share is, you know, a lot of the mothers I see, you know, here in New York city, I see so many mothers at playgrounds and all of that stuff is something I I briefly touched on, but I think is worth saying again is I really encourage you to find ways to nurture parts of yourself beyond being a mother. I think that it's so important to kind of take time to, to, to reflect, to examine yourself, to see what other parts of you that you can love on, you can nurture, you can make space for. Um, and yeah, kind of what are the little things you can do to keep on growing that part so that, you know, 10 years, so you're letting becoming a mother affect how those other parts of you rather than shutting down those parts so you can be a good mother. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they can really go hand in hand. I've been so inspired by this concept in this past year that the best gift you can give your child is to be a healthy, wholesome person. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to say just a happy person because I think happy can be a little uh, thin, what that means. But I think there really is, I think, few better gifts you can give your child than than being a model and an example of a wholesome person, mm. not just a person that's denying herself, giving everything up in this, you know, saintly pursuit of like just being the ever giving mother who has no selfishness in her, but being holistic, being yeah. a whole person. Um, yeah. I think that's what I would love to encourage mothers to do. That's great. I, I love that. Uh, Mara had such a great conversation with you today i just uh, am so appreciative of our friendship and i know we haven't seen each other in like yes. super long years um but it's always so good to speak to you because you've always been so honest and transparent about who you are and just um the way you think and how you feel about things and i'm so glad that you got to share uh and chat with us about this episode yeah, thank you so much again for having me. I really enjoy talking about this stuff and I love I love what you're doing, Sharon. Just kind of I mean, I think in some ways we're doing very similar things. You're also just trying to give voice to mothers or other topics around motherhood yeah. and bring out all these different perspectives because there are so many and they're all so valuable. You know, mm-hmm. I'm coming from one point of view and there are other you know, just great ones that I think you're spotlighting. And I I love the work that you're doing. Thank you. Now, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Gems of Motherhood podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more amazing Gems of Mothers and more resources, head over to gemsofmotherhood.com where you can subscribe to the show. That's where you'll find show notes with actionable tips and any links mentioned by our guest. Most importantly, I hope you'll find inspiration and learn to cultivate your own journey. You are loved, You're an incredible gem to God. He knows you intimately. 
He knows what you're going through, and He knows what you need. Remember, you are fearfully and wonderfully made in Him. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode.